Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland. We take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. If you'd like to join us live at one of our campuses or stream one of our services online, go to peavine.org for times, locations, and more information. Well, thank you to the praise and worship team this morning. Hey, 2 Timothy chapter 3, if you have your Bibles, thank you for being here today. Thank you for watching online. Thank you for being at the Rossville campus, no matter where you are. Thanks for joining today. We're glad to see you. So, start a sermon series called Next, What Happens After This? And We really want to know, right? What, what happens after this life? When I say after this, I literally mean what happens after this life is over. And starting today, over the next five sermons I preach, I'm going to talk about really that whole process. And so I'm going to look at these first two sermons. I'm going to look at what the end of this life will probably look like. And then I'm going to take a peek into eternity with the last three sermons. So what happens after this? Today, I want to preach on this subject, uh, the sign of the times, the sign of the times. So how do we know how close are we to the end of times? That's the question we all have, right? How close are we to the end of times? Well, if you ask most pastors, most pastors think we're getting close. For, for example, they, they, just, they ask pastors, you, you won't be able to read this, but they ask pastors, how, how many of you think these are signs of the Lord's return? The rise of false prophets and false teachings, 83% think that's a sign. The love of believers growing cold, 81%. Traditional morals becoming less accepted, 79%. Wars and national conflicts, 78%. Earthquakes, 70 Number of people abandoning the Christian faith, famine, on and on it goes. All of pastors believe that these are the signs of the end of times. Many things we see in the news today. Hey, y'all fix my back screen. It's not working correctly. And so more than half of pastors, 56%, expect Jesus to return in their lifetime, meaning that in my lifetime, recent survey in my lifetime, more than 56% think Jesus is coming back in the next 20, 30 years. Not only that, seven in 10 pastors agree the culture will increasingly get less moral until Jesus returns. So that's where we are in the signs of the times. And we're starting to see signs of the times everywhere. Or are we? Are we? I was reminded of a story I saw in 2011, a lady by the name of Sarah Burke Spoler, who was a PhD student at Swinburne University in Australia. She was sifting through telescope data at the Commonwealth Scientific and Industrial Research Organization. There it is, or Cicero as they called it. And she was looking for radio burst from FRBs from outer space. That's when they, that, those are radio signals they believe are traveling from other galaxies. And when she was looking for those, she spotted some unusual FRBs. And she began to research them. She even gave them a the name. She called them peritons. Peritons named after the mythological winged elks. And so she found these peritons and scientists at the center begin to think 
it would tell them about matter in the universe and how things came into existence. Other people thought it was going to tell us about alien lives, alien worlds, and them attempting to communicate with us from beyond galaxies. So these paratons were a huge deal. As a matter of fact, for four years, people studied them. They wrote papers on them. They did research around them. And four years later, having absolutely no clue what these paratons were, uh, assured that it was aliens from outer space that were, that were communicating with us, they discovered four years later the horrifying truth about paratons. And here's what they discovered. It was the microwave. It was the microwave. So they literally discovered that it happened when the giant telescope was pointed at the microwave, and not when you turned the microwave on, it was when it was running, but when you opened the door on the microwave, it created paratons, and they caught a man heating up his cup of coffee, and that was our alien life form, the guy heating up his coffee. In other words, what we thought was a signal from outer space was really a cup of coffee being heated up. Now, can I say this? We do that a little bit as Christians, too. We, we often jump at everything we see happening around us, and we say, yep, that's it. Jesus is coming. I, I want to tell you, now, maybe you weren't this way. This may not have been you, but can I tell you? Uh, how often I've been to prophecy conferences. And I, I'm, I'm 54. So I, I go back in the 80s as a teenager. I would go to prophecy conferences as a teenager. And I'd hear all the reasons that Jesus was coming before 1988 or before 1993 or before 2000 or before 2001. Oh, no. So if you go back even before that, World War II, Hitler was the Antichrist and Jesus was going to come soon. I was told at one point in my childhood that Jimmy Carter, was going to be the Antichrist. And then I heard that it was Ronald Wilson Reagan because he was a Catholic and he took the oath of office facing some building I can't remember and that made him the Antichrist. And not only that, did you hear what his name was? Ronald Wilson Reagan. His first name has six letters, his middle name has six letters, and his last name has six letters. And if you add those up, you get six, six, what more proof do you need <laughs> then I heard the Iraqi war was the beginning of the end and then it was Y2K and now it's a pandemic and every other day it feels like you say well preacher are you saying that we should give up on Jesus coming no I'm not the Bible says Jesus is coming and hear me dear friends he is coming there is no doubt that he is coming but he may not come on the timeline we think he is and here's really what I think I think that we are starting to get a taste just a taste of the signs of the end of times and I do think it's coming as a matter of fact here's what Jesus called it in Matthew chapter 24 now follow him Jesus said this in Matthew 24 you're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars See that you're not alarmed because these things must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these events, know this, are the beginning of labor pains. All of these events are the beginning of labor pains. All of these events are just the beginning of 
of labor pains. I believe that's what we've been seeing for decades. That's what we've been seeing for centuries. We'd be, be beginning to see the beginning of the labor pains. Now, you ladies, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You men, let me say this. When, when we had Michaela, Savannah was easy. We went to the doctor. He said, you're having a baby. Go to the hospital now. We had a baby. But with Michaela, we were left on our own and we kept going to the hospital. We went multiple times to the hospital and we kept thinking, she's about to have a baby. She's having contractions. And they'd send us back home and they'd say, no, you're not, you're nowhere close. This is just the beginning of labor, right? And that's what the Bible says. When we go back and we read all of these things that are going to take place, wars and rumors uh, uh, of wars and all that's happening at kingdoms and famines and earthquakes and all this stuff. Yes, that is a sign of the end of times, but it is just the beginning of the labor pains that are actually coming. I cannot tell you Every sign that transpires, only God knows that. But I can tell you that we are beginning to see the escalation of the signs of the times and that Jesus is coming soon. So what are those signs? I want us to look, in the next sermon I preach, I'm going to give you some specific. In the next sermon I preach, I'm actually going to draw a timeline as I believe it uh, to happen and how those are going to lay out and some signs. I'm going to deal with signs just a little bit more that we're seeing now. But today I want to look straight in Scripture and see what Paul and God told us was going to happen as we get to the end. So would you stand with me as we honor God's Word by reading it? It'll be on the screen if you don't have your Bible, 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to read the whole chapter, but it's short. It's very short. Not even a whole page in my Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. Paul said this, but I know, but know this, hard times will come in the last days. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanders <coughs> without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding the form of godliness but denying its power. Avoid these people. For among them are those who worm their way into households and deceive gullible women, overwhelmed by sins and led astray by a variety of passions, always learning, never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so these also resist the truth. These, they are men who are corrupt in mind and worthless in regard to the faith. But they will not make further progress, for their foolishness will be clear to all, as was the foolishness of Janus and Jambres. Verse 10, but you have followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, and endurance. Along with the persecutions and sufferings that came to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, when persecutions, what persecutions I endured, and yet the Lord rescued me from them all. In fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Evil people, imposters will become worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continuing what you've learned and firmly believe, you know those who taught you and you know that from infancy you have known the sacred scriptures which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete, equipped, for every good work. Thank you. You may be seated. So Paul lays out what the end times is going to look out and he look like, and here's what he's doing. He is laying out 
a sense of urgency that we ought to have as we get closer to that day. So let's look directly in Scripture and let's talk about what the signs of the times are as Paul laid them down in general terms. Here's what we know. Number one, here's a sign of the times. Number one, things won't get easier. Things will not get easier, especially for the Christian. Here's what Paul said. But know this, hard times will come in the last days. Now, Paul doesn't cut us any slack when it comes to the end times. No need to sugarcoat it or make it seem better than it is. Get this, ladies and gentlemen, for the child of God and for the world in general, hard times are going to come our way. It was stock belief in the early church inherited from the Jewish apocalyptic tradition that the time before the end would be characterized by an unprecedented upswing in evil followed by a falling away of believers. So here's what's going to happen. The world is going to get worse and believers are going to fall away. And so Paul called that hard times. In the Greek, the word is the word kalipos in the Greek. What does the word kalipos in the Greek mean? Well, if you'll give me a moment, can I, can I dive into this word just for a minute? Because I want to clarify it for you a little bit. So the word kalipos in the Greek, when you trace it through the New Testament, here's how we see it used and translated in the New Testament. For example, it was used of demoniacs. It is translated wild, difficult, grievous, hard to bear, distressing, in reference to your feelings. So in other words, it was going to create a lot of times of stress and anxiety. It was going to be a dangerous time, perilous time, fearful time. So there's the word. When you see the word kalipos in your Greek New Testament, this is the way it was used. This is the way it was translated. So Paul says this, know this. That in the last days, calipost times will come. Hard times will come. Well, can we do this? Can we just make a checklist this morning? Can we do that? So, so for example, the word is translated wild. Would you consider these some wild times we live in? I'm going to put a check mark by that, okay? So, so, not only that, the word is translated distressing. Would you believe these are distressing times we live in? Without a doubt, we'll just put a check mark back there. How about this? Painful times, without a doubt. We can check mark that. How about this? Times full of anxiety. Yes, yes. Watch the news. Times full of anxiety. There are more uh, Americans on anxiety messing than not on anxiety messing. Yeah, yeah, these are, we, we can check mark by that. How about this? Dangerous times. When's the last time you gone to a public place and felt safe? Yeah, we, we, we can say dangerous. How about this fearful? Fearful? Yeah, we, we, we can check fearful, I think. So everything that Paul said, the word calipost meant, everything he said, we are experiencing those right now. And when we get to the end times, the world situation is going to be very, very difficult to bear. The world situation is going to be very, very hard. It is going to be wild and distressing and painful and full of anxiety and fear. Now, I'm not telling you we're in the last days, but I'm telling you if the world continues to get more and more stressful, God help us, how much more stress can we take? In the U.S., we have it better than 99% of the rest of the world. And yet life here is stressful with a good economy, with freedom, with the power to vote, with the Constitution, all of that. 
as we get to the end, things are not going to get easier. Paul said the world's going to get harder, wilder, more difficult, more anxiety. Christianity's going to be harder. And things are going to go from bad to worse. I, I don't know a tremendous amount about pop culture, but I read this story and it, it fits here so perfectly. This is Ariana Grande's hand. A few years ago, Ariana Grande sang a song called Seven Rings. Never heard the song, don't know anything about it, not recommending it, don't Google it, because I didn't, so you don't either. I don't know what it's about. Never heard it. So she decided to get a tattoo on her hand in Japanese that said Seven Rings. And there it is. The problem is she got her Japanese wrong, and instead of saying Seven Rings, this tattoo said small charcoal grill <laughs> so she was flashing it on instagram and all that and, and finally people who spoke japanese were like hey ariana um that does not say seven rings it says small charcoal grill and she laughed about it and laughed it off and said i'm gonna go get it fixed and they said you're just missing one character you know japanese chinese all hard i mean you miss one character you go fix this character and get it right and so she went back and uh get it got it fixed and then she put another photo up and luckily she got it fixed because now it says japanese barbecue finger I'll, I'll be honest, I don't think this is even better. Do you? I think I like small charcoal grill better than I like Japanese barbecue finger. Here's what I'm saying. Things went from bad to worse. Welcome to the end times. No matter how much you try, things are going to be hard. No matter how much you try, things are going to be difficult. No matter, no matter how much you try, things are going to be dangerous. And listen, you're going to go from seven rings to small barbecue grill to Japanese barbecue finger. It's just going to keep getting worse and worse and worse and worse. No matter how much you try, it's going to get worse. The question we have to ask ourselves is this. Are you ready for hard times? Is your life constructed? Is your walk with God constructed to handle hard times? Because here's what he said, 2 Timothy 3. Evil people and imposters will become worse, worse. Deceiving and being deceived. Evil people and imposters. This means people outside the church who are coming against us. Hey, this is people inside the church who are going to become worse and worse and worse. Deceiving. And being deceived, I'm telling you, things are going to get worse. And the question we have to ask ourselves, is my walk with God so constructed that it could carry me through hard times? Is my walk with God so constructed that it could carry me through end times? When it gets difficult financially, are you ready? When it gets difficult, difficult spiritually and emotionally, are you ready? When persecution comes, are you ready? Can your home handle real, real anxiety that comes from the end of times? Can your home handle anxiety that's not coming from little silly stuff we deal with today, but that comes from real persecution? Hear me, ladies and gentlemen. It is time to start building that walk with God now. It is time to start getting your life together now. It is time to start getting that walk with God. God that can endure difficult times, 
that can endure hard times, that can endure anxious times. Paul said, Calipos is coming. Hard times are coming. And though right now we see the beginning of labor pains, hear me, if it's the end of times, it's not going to get any better. Know this, things won't get easier as we get to the end. Number two, know this, the culture will turn on us. Paul tells us that in verses 2, 3, and 4, and others. Paul tells us why things are going to get bad. The, the culture is literally going to be the forces of hell. Hell is going to be unleashed on earth. Demonic activity will increase. It will be every form of wickedness you can imagine being passed off as the normal as the normal way of life. As, as a matter of fact, look, look in your Bibles. Look in your Bibles. Look at verse 2 in your Bibles. Now, I'm going to read this, and I just want you to follow along with me. Look at the words Paul used to describe the culture that we're going to live in. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Now you ask me, here's the list, here's the list. You ask me, which one of these are we not seeing today? Which one of these are not in our culture? Lovers of money? No, we can check that one. Unholy? We, we, we can check that one. Lovers of self? My goodness. We call them selfies, right? We, we, we're lovers of self. How about disobedient to parents? How about lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God? I mean, I'm just picking out random. How about without self-control? I mean, this list that Paul wrote 2,000 years ago is an absolute description of 2022, and we could not have said this 20 and 30 years ago. 20 and 30 years ago, when we still thought Jesus was coming, most people would still fall under the basic decent category, and now we find ourselves, this is our culture. I don't see one word. I don't see one word that I can say, well, I don't know that this is, I don't know this is not true. Now, why? Hear me, the culture is going to turn on us, on, on Christians. Is, it room, is there room for it to get worse? For sure. There is absolute room for it to get worse. But know this, as it gets worse and worse in the culture, Christian morals and living are going to become a thing of the past, a relic lifestyle. Let me say that again. As it gets worse and worse in the culture, Christian morals and living are going to become a thing in the past, a relic lifestyle. Did, did you see what New York City did back in May, this actual photo from the day it happened? They removed the last public payphone from New York City. 
They had 6,000 public payphones at one time in New York City. Now they've been replaced with something called Link New York City. It's a freestanding kiosk that provides, get this, Wi-Fi, a charging station for mobile devices, and domestic phone calls to all users for free. This last payphone that you've seen taken away is not going to go into a landfill where the rest of them went. It's going to go into a museum of New York City to be a part of an exhibit about New York, what it was like before the advent of computer. Can I say this about a payphone? I would not be married without a payphone. We, we lived in two different counties. It was a long-distance phone call. I ran the phone bill up. Over $100 one time talking to Sherry, and my dad forbid me from talking on the phone at home. Remember, no cell phones, no way to communicate, no email back in the day. It was only in person or on a corded phone. And every day of our lives, I kid you not, for three and a half years, snow, rain. I've stood out in the rain so many times on the telephone, I cannot count. Talking to the love of my life. Hey, baby, what you doing today? I wouldn't be married without a payphone. But yet, what once was a necessity is now no longer needed. Hear me. This is how the culture is going to view us in the end of days. Christianity will be as outdated as a payphone in the eyes of the culture. Two things will happen when that happens. One, it will give us an opportunity to bring them to Jesus because the light shines the brightest in the darkness. But number two, it's going to make them hate us. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 4, 4. In their case, the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who's the image of God. Blinded the minds of the unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel. And as we get closer to the end of days, the culture will turn on us because the enemy has blinded them. Do you know Christianity used to be welcomed in the U.S. and in the world? Why? We, were, we were the best citizens. Where Christianity flourished, where, a, where, 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 where a church flourished. I mean, I mean there, were, there, were, there have been revivals in America that when revival swept through, the, the saloons shut down, the bars shut down, the houses of ill repute shut down, and there were government officials begging for a revival to come their way. Why? Because crime would cease to exist. We were welcome because of our high morals. We were welcome because we had good, stable homes. We were welcome because we made a community impact. By the way, that's all still true for Christianity, but the culture now hates that. And as we get closer to the end, it's going to happen more and more and more where we're turned against, and we're starting to see it now. I mean, they're... We're this close to a regular Bible sermon being labeled as hate speech. And, and if I just preach the Bible, I'm subject to arrest. And it's already happened in other parts. But all that we're seeing with the policing of social media. Did you know that we're this far away from witnessing being considered violence? violence the sign of the end of the times will be a blindness to the gospel and a hatred of all things that are good and right and here's what you have to decide are we going to live our lives in order to please men 
Or are we going to live our lives in order to please God? There's coming a time when you cannot do both. Sign of the end will be the culture will turn on us and I will not be able to please God and man. It, maybe there was that day. Maybe there was a day when I lived holy and I lived righteously and I did good things that the culture would be proud and, and God would be proud. But we're coming a day, well, that will not be so. And you've got to decide, do you want to be in a right relationship with the culture or do you want to be in a right relationship with God? Can I ask you a question? What, what drives you more? Hearing God say, well, do, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Or getting a Facebook, TikTok, or Instagram like. Sign of the times. Christianity will become outdated in the world's eyes and they're going to turn on us. The culture will turn on us. Who are you going to please? Third thing Paul told us, I, I have to move a little faster. Third thing he said is this, that the church will grow cold. He said this in verse number five. It was so important to read. Holding to the form of godliness but denying its power, avoid these people. Holding to the form of godliness but denying its people, power, avoid these people. The church will go grow cold. So here's what the church and Christians will be like in the last days. Not all churches, not every church, but in general, here's what the church will be like. They will go through the motions of spirituality. Now hear me right here. I need you to hear me. I need you to prepare. Uh, the Bible says that in the last days, people are going to work their way into the church deceived and, and being deceived. Now, so hear me. They're going to have a form of godliness, but they're going to deny its power. So here's what, is that, what does that mean? It means they're going to use our words. Well, what does that mean they're going to use our words? It means they're going to use words like grace and love and freedom and Jesus and God and judge and outcast and hurting and accepted. They will use our words. So here's what's going to happen in the church in the last days. You'll hear a preacher preach and the words he used will be words that are used in the Bible. And the words he used will even come out of scripture. However, the words will have no power. Why? The power of the gospel is in obeying the gospel of Jesus. And there's no power apart from putting the words of Christ in action. So here's the, they'll use our words. They, they love these words. But let me tell you the words the church of the end times are going to leave out. They're going to leave out words like holiness, word of God, obedience, hell, salvation, purity, cross, morality, resurrection, judgment they, i mean they'll, the church of the end times will use some of our words but they're going to leave out the words that go along with the gospel and so here's here's what he said in verse number seven that a sign of the end times is going to be a church that's always learning and never able to come to a knowledge of the truth so i'm not even saying that in the end times the church the pastor of the church of the end times he'll he'll be educated He'll be smooth, he'll be sharp, he'll know the Bible, but he's only going to know the Bible that he wants to know. And what's going to happen is because they're always learning but never able to get to the truth, what's going to happen is you're going to have a church that will grow cold. And I, I, I wrote it this way, here's, here's, here's going to be the church of the end times. They're willing to date Christ but not marry him. Date Christianity and there'll be no 
power in that church. How many of you heard of Match.com? Have you heard of Match.com? Like, you may have found your love of your life on there. I don't know. I don't know. Not against it at all. But did you know since Match.com got started, 517,000 relationships that led to 92,000 marriages responsible for the birth of 1 million babies, which I did the math. That means they all had 10 babies apiece because, you know, you don't get babies after you got married. And so they had 10 babies. That's incredible. And they have over 21 million members in 40 countries and exchange. It's in 40 countries and it exchanges 415 emails per year. Per year, match.com. It's a giant, giant dating work uh, website. The, the founder, Gary Kremen, started in 1993. And he was having a hard time getting people to sign up because the internet was so, so new back then. So what he did, it brilliant. He got everybody in his company to sign up for an account, even those that didn't need a, a, a match. But he got everybody, including his girlfriend, to sign up for an account. Man, it worked, and people started signing up, and the site took off. As a matter of fact, the site really took off. It took off so much that Gary's girlfriend met another man on the site and left him for him. And the founder of Match.com lost the love of his life to Match.com. She started out with him, but then found something else she wanted. That's what's going to happen to the church and Christians in the end of time. The church is going to leave the real church for something they think is better, more popular, and easier. But it'll all be wrong. It'll all be anti-God. And it will all be anti-Christ. May have been what Jesus had in mind in Revelation chapter 3. When he said, write to the church of the angel in Laodicea, this says, thus says the amen, the faithful and the true witness, the originator of God's creation. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. For you say I'm rich and I become wealthy and need nothing. And you don't realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Is the church of the end times that has grown cold. The church of the end times, hear me, will be as on fire as the Christians of the end times are. You say, well, I don't want to be a member of a church like that. Perfect. Then don't be a member like that. What if your walk with God was going to determine what the church of tomorrow looks like? What if your walk with God was going to determine the church your children are going to grow up in or the church your grandchildren are going to grow up in? Hear me, I want to be on fire for Jesus so that my children will have a church that's on fire, that my grandchildren will have a church that's on fire, that no matter how cold the world church goes no matter how far from God the church in general gets I won't mind to be part of a church that still hears the truth of the word of God still feels the Holy Spirit move in a service still feels the power of God do something miraculous the church will grow cold but hear me this church doesn't have to grow cold so number four Knowing times are going to get hard, the culture is going to turn on us, and church will grow cold. 
Number four, and I'm finished. Here's how, here, what, what I do, preacher, here's what you do. Number four, I just wrote it this way. Hold the line. So here are the signs of the end times, right? Things are going to get worse, for sure. Culture is going to turn off us. Man, feels like we're here or getting close to it. Church is going to grow cold. Do you, do you, know, you know the hardest thing I fight as a pastor are not liberal Christians or liberal members, but it's liberal pastors? Church is growing cold. Are we there? Can I just tell you, we have to be close. It's at least the beginning of birth pains. So Paul told us to hold the line. I don't have time to even preach these. I've, I've gone over. So here's, here's what he said to do. And I've, I've mentioned it all throughout my sermon. Here's what he said. Verse number 10, he said, you ought to grow in your faith. Verse number 12, he said, you should live godly. Verse number 12, he said, you, if you're living godly and growing in your faith, you should expect persecution. But he said in verse number 14, you ought to stay true. Don't waver with the culture. And then verses 15 through 17, he said to bury yourself in the word of God. Bury yourself in the Bible. Grow in your faith. If, if the end times are coming, then grow in your faith. Live godly. Know if you do these two things, persecution is coming, but you stay true and don't waver with the culture and bury yourself in the Bible. You hold the line. Close your Bibles and I'm finished. I read this in a book one time and I, um, I saw the article the other day uh, about... Uh, vacations researchers from the netherlands set out to measure the effect that vacations have on overall happiness and how long it lasts so i love the study here's what they were figuring out they were figuring out uh, when you take a vacation how long does the vacation high last you ever wondered that is the vacation high just while you're at vacation does it last past vacation does it go beyond it? Like, how's a vacation high last? So they, they studied happiness levels among 1,530 Dutch adults who took a vacation during a 32-week period. Here, here's what they found out. You were the most happy first day of the vacation, last day of the vacation, middle day of the vacation. When were you the most happy? You were the most happy when you were planning the vacation. In the study, the effect of vacation and anticipation, get this, hold on, boosted happiness for eight weeks. Eight weeks. So look, this is not in my sermon. I, I, I'm, I'm no couple. Th- Number one, don't take a spur of the moment vacation. You take all the fun out of it. Right? Right? Number two, you don't even have to take the vacation. Just plan it and cancel it when you get all your money back. Right? After the vacation, happiness quickly dropped back to baseline levels. You say, well, what about during the vacation? Well, the stress of the vacation or the relaxation of a vacation determine how happy you were on the vacation so here's the deal after the vacation no happy during the vacation might be happy don't know things could go wrong could rain whatever could be happy could not be happy eight weeks prior to the vacation definitely happy in other words we are happier booking the vacation than we are taking the vacation 
Stand with me around the room. Why'd I tell you that? Here's what I tell you. Your eternal vacation is coming. It is, it's coming. It's coming a day when Jesus is going to come again. The church will be raptured. I'll talk about that next sermon. Church will be raptured. We'll go through some processes until we're in eternity forever with Christ. It is an absolute eternal vacation. Here's what Paul is trying to tell us. You're not on vacation yet. However, he called it this. Now, I just, I'm out of time. I didn't have time. He called it the blessed hope. The blessed hope. That Christians ought to plan now for eternity. And even though the times will get hard, and even though the church will go cold, and even though the culture will turn on us, if you're planning for your eternal vacation, no matter how bad this world gets, you can still have joy. We sing an old song when I was a boy. The old hymn was called, Are You Ready? Are You Ready? Are You Ready for That Judgment Day? Hey, there's coming a day. It's all going to be wrapped up. And instead of striking terror in the heart of the child of God, we ought to be planning our eternal vacations, holding the line, and celebrating the fact Jesus is coming again. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Thank you, Pastor Joel, for that great message. And man, we are, uh, we're, we're in the last days. No one, no one would, um, no one really would debate that uh, if you know Scripture. And, um, when we think about the last days, our curiosity has peaked and we, we, we want to know what exactly is going to happen. And the truth is there are some things we just can't know the answer to. But I'm thankful for Pastor Joel and him taking time to, to take us through um, some end time sermons. And uh, the key is this, are, are you ready? Um, if, if, if today were your last day, are you ready? Are you ready to see Jesus? Um, if your answer to that question is not yes, um, if it's not a resounding, excited yes, then man, you've got some things you need to work on. And that begins with you having a relationship with Jesus and understanding that you're a sinner. Because of what Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden, we're all sinners and our sin separates us from God. Uh, but God sent Jesus to die on the cross to bridge that separation for us so that we can once again have a relationship with God the Father. And if you've never began that relationship with Jesus, it starts with you understanding that you're a sinner. You've got to be willing to admit that. You've got to believe that Jesus died on the cross, that He was buried dead in the tomb, and on the third day He rose again conquering sin, death, and hell for you and for me. And then you have to confess Him as your personal Lord and Savior. First John, uh, I'm not First John, Romans uh, chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 says, We believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth and we will be saved. If you've never done that this morning, but God has spoken to your heart and you need to do that, tell God this, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sin. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, was buried, and rose again on the third day to pay the penalty for my sin. And just now, I ask you through the power of your Holy Spirit to come into my heart. Be my Savior. Lord, I give my life to you in Jesus' name. 
if you prayed that prayer for the first time, man, we want to say welcome to the family. And we want to tell you you're not on this faith journey alone. And so if you would, you can click on the link we've just dropped in the chat box that says, I commit my life to Christ. If you'll click on that, um, we're going to connect with you and help you take those next steps on your faith journey with Jesus. Maybe for you, you've got some things you need to fix. If Jesus was coming over, if Jesus was the company at Sunday night supper, um, what are some things that you would want to make right in your life? Maybe you've strayed for some things that you know you need to do. Take a moment uh, as soon as this broadcast is over and spend some time with the Lord making the, those things right. Hey, it has been awesome to be together this week. I love our times together. Um, I'm thankful for you. God bless you. Have a great week. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's Word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at peavine.org. Thanks for listening.